Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna, and as as always, alongside me is fellow Pensburg writer Robbie Noggle. Robbie, how have you been since last week's episode? Hey, not much to complain about. Same old, same old for the most part. Um, doing well and feeling good, so I'm ready to get into another uh, exciting episode of the podcast. So here's the deal, folks. Uh, if you're a long-time listener or if you're just finding us for the first time, typically what we do at the start of every podcast episode is go through a bit of a recap segment of the Penguins' last stretch of games dating back to last week's episode. Uh, but as you'll see later on in the episode, uh, in our mailbag segment, we actually had 11 mailbag questions sent to us this week, which might be a record for the biggest mailbag in Pennsburg podcast history, which is an obviously a great thing. So what we're going to do for this week's recap segment, instead of what doing what we normally do uh, with Robbie and I going back and forth and giving our thoughts, uh, I'm just going to do a quick breeze through, through the recap segment, talk about uh, a couple of stats in the box score. We'll get to the main segment that I want to talk about this week, and then, of course, we will tackle the the ginormous mailbag. So we'll start with the game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Pittsburgh beats the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team that they could very well see in the Eastern Conference playoffs. They beat the Lightning by a score of 5-1. to one. Evgeny Malkin had a goal and two assists. The Lightning had a winning streak that came to an end at the hands of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh wins by a score of 5-1, to one, largely thanks to Evgeny Malkin's monstrous night there. We move on to a game against a divisional rival in the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, the Penguins fall to the Hurricanes. However, they do get an overtime loser point. The Hurricanes do beat uh, the the Penguins three to two in overtime. Uh, Andrei Svechnikov gets the last of Carolina's three straight goals after Pittsburgh went out to a two nothing lead. So uh, Carolina does beat the Penguins as the Penguins do get the loser point on March 4th. And uh, moving forward to the last game in our recap segment this week, uh, the Panthers played the Pittsburgh Penguins while the the Penguins came home to start a homestand. And the Panthers would be declared the victors again, another very strong team in the Eastern Conference, one that the Penguins could see uh, throughout their battle and what is hopefully a long Stanley Cup playoff run. The pa- the Panthers do come out as the victors, winning this one by a score of 4-3. to three. Uh, So, Robbie, all in all, a little bit of a mixed bag, but that dominant performance against the Tampa Bay Lightning, getting uh, getting that that loser point against the divisional rival in the Hurricanes, and you're gonna you're gonna drop one that to the Panthers. Obviously, the Panthers could make an argument are the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. So, uh, what we talked about last week, we talked about uh, this big stretch of games over the course of the next uh, two weeks for the Penguins, and it started with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So they they're, they're getting some points when they need to. Uh, they're obviously still in the thick of it when it comes to battling for a for playoff positioning in the Metropolitan Division, but uh, we're definitely going to keep an eye on as this this tough stretch of games isn't isn't going to let up anytime soon for the Penguins. Uh, But like I said, I want to move forward now that we have that abridged recap out of the way and get right into our main topic this week, Robbie. Uh, And it has to do with a trade rumor that was uh, recently uh, a, a little bit more gas was added to this fire 
Rumors continue to swirl regarding the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Vancouver Canucks as being potential trade partners ahead of the March 21st trading deadline. There were some scouts that were allegedly in attendance at recent Penguin games, and now some new reports are, if they're to be believed, Evan Rodriguez and John Marino could be included in a package deal to acquire 25-year-old forward Brock Besser from the Vancouver Canucks. So, Robbie, my question to you this week is is a simple one. Given these persistent rumors, the obvious Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin connection that the Canucks now have, and the fact that we're about 10 days out from the trading deadline, uh, let's have some fun and and talk about some of these rumors uh, and whether or not they could actually happen. So, uh, I'll hand it over to you, Robbie. What are your thoughts on this brand new rumor regarding Brock Besser and John Marino and Evan Rodriguez? And quite simply, would you make a deal that included these three players? It's definitely a, a an interesting uh, rumor for sure because it's really it feels like the first concrete uh, rumors we've had involving the Penguins uh, in this run up to the trade deadline with actual names going both ways and. Uh, teams attached to it and stuff. So uh, Brock Besser, a very interesting uh, name to come up. A uh, young kid. Uh, there's some change going on in Vancouver with the new, with Jim Rutherford and Patrick uh, Alvin taking over there. So there's going to be some change. Uh, Besser is only 25. So, I mean, tremendous upside still there. Uh, I am personally would be very unsure about trading John Marino. I know that his offense hasn't been exactly what uh, many people expected uh, it would turn into after that big rookie season, but defensively, he's still been very good for the Penguins. Um, And I'm not really sure if I'm willing to necessarily part with that. Um, The Rodriguez part, it probably wouldn't be the end of the world for me. I mean, you have a guy that's probably, even though he's kind of tailed off a little bit, probably going to be in for a pay uh, increase this this summer. Uh, and maybe they can't afford him. The problem with Brock Besser is next season his new contract kicks in, and I believe it's about $7.5 million per season. So with everything else going on between um, I mean, Latang, Malk, and Rust, I don't know if adding a – seven million dollar contract to your salary cap is necessarily a good a good thing and Besser is definitely he he has talent there's no doubt about that so and there's nothing taken away from Brock Besser I think he would fit well with the Penguins I think he'd be a good addition with the Penguins I'm just not the, the Marino piece bothers me more than the Rodriguez piece and the the system, the prospect pool for the Penguins is pretty dry to begin with, but it's even more so on the blue line. There's very, very little on that blue line. And if you have a guy like Latang that's leaving, it gets even it gets even worse. So I'm not I I, I like the the idea and I I wouldn't necessarily be mad if that trade went down i the marino piece would definitely give me pause and not necessarily it would be a a deal breaker but i think there's just much more in this trade than just the players you have obviously the future with 
and it's not even necessarily looking at post Crosby. It's Marino is a key piece of what they do this year and the next two or three, four years while Crosby and Malkin are still are still on the ice. And then it's adding Besser's monster cap number really worth it. Uh, I definitely am not anti Brock Besser. I think that it's a very interesting and rumor that makes creates good discussion. Obviously that's what we're talking about now. And I think it's something that if it's if Jim Rutherford or I guess Patrick Alvin called Ron Hexall, I'd want Hexall to at least uh listen listen to the offer because I mean Besser does bring a lot to the table. Uh no doubt about that. There's definitely some change going on uh in Vancouver. So if a guy like that is available, you at least have to uh pick up the phone, listen to the call and maybe see if uh, there can be some discussion there. Uh, the only thing in that, the Marino piece would definitely give me some pause, but it's just nice to have some solid, concrete rumors rather than just like this guy, this guy, this guy, maybe, all these maybes. It seems like this is the first time that we've had um, actual names atta- attached to um, a trade either way. So I think it's a very interesting deal, a very interesting rumor, uh, but I'd want to, it would not be something I would automatically just hit hit accept on. Just for, for reference there, uh, looking at uh, Besser's, as you mentioned, you brought up the fact that Besser does have a, a new contract kicking in next year with a rough cap hit of around $7 million. Looking at his statistics this year in 52 games played, he has uh, 17 goals and 34 points is a minus seven again in 52 games played. Looking at John Marino, he is in the, fir- the first year of a six-year contract extension that was given to him by Jim Rutherford. Uh, Marino would have a cap hit of 4.4 million throughout the duration of this contract extension, this uh, six-year contract. And uh, Evan Rodriguez is obviously a free agent at the end of this year. He has a cap hit of $1 million this year. Uh, Rodriguez would be an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. Um, But there's another name, Robbie, and I think we talked about it last week as well, that hasn't been, or maybe has been brought up in some rumors, but uh, maybe hasn't stuck the way uh, the way Brock Besser is sticking out uh, in the national media and local Pittsburgh media. Uh, that name is Connor Garland. Uh, I brought him up. I think there was a mailbag question talking about Garland or a player that you would like to acquire from the Canucks, and I brought up Connor Garland's name. Looking at Connor Garland, uh, he would ha- he's uh, in the first year of a five-year extension. His cap hit would be four point nine five million. Uh, throughout the duration of this five-year contract. So if you're comparing between, let's say, Brock Besser and Connor Garland, just for speculation's sake, uh, having a guy like Garland, who is also 25, he, I believe, is a right, right-handed right right-winger, uh, also having a guy like him, obviously what is a lower cap hit, who could probably slot on that second line alongside Malkin. Uh, just something to keep an eye out if you're uh, keep an eye on if you're a Penguin fan. Again, there is no real uh, no real rumor or no real report linking Connor Garland to the Penguins at this point. This is just pure speculation, and the same goes for the Brock Besser discussion we're having as well. But looking at how the the Vancouver Canucks and the Pittsburgh Penguins continue to uh, continue to find one another in these these trade rumors that keep popping up, it's going to be be something that we're obviously going to be keeping an eye on uh, throughout the rest of the month of March as we inch closer to the March 21st 
trading deadline. So uh, with that, Robbie, uh, I want to make sure we get every single question here. Again, a whopping 11-question mailbag for us this week. Probably the biggest mailbag in the history of the Pensburg podcast. So I appreciate everyone who reached out and responded to us on our Pensburg podcast Twitter account. Uh, if you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener and you'd like to be like one of these uh, 11 question askers, uh, you can do so by, like I said, following our Pensburg Podcast Twitter account. And every week we will send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this mailbag segment. So, uh, Robbie, like always, you will get question number one in the mailbag. Let's knock this thing out. Question number one comes from Brian. When a coach when a coach gets ejected from a game, are they still allowed to coach in between periods, or is there an official in the locker room to make sure that they aren't? If not, I don't know the full rules, but I would assume that they can still um, converse with the team in the locker room. Uh, I know players, if they're tossed, there's nothing really stopping them from uh, necessarily being in the locker room, as far as I know. So I can't imagine that it's any different for a head coach um, unless there's something in the rule book that I'm not 100% um, reading correctly. But uh, it doesn't seem like there's anything that's preventing them from working um, in the locker room. But as for in-game, I don't think they can communicate with uh, the bench staff or anything like that. I think it has to all be... Um, run by the guys who are actually physically behind the bench. I don't think that the head coach can have any um, discussion with uh, them through headsets or iPads or whatever uh, form of communication is available. So I think overall it's more of a, a you can no longer participate in the game. Whether or not you can participate necessarily in the locker room, uh, I, I really don't know for sure, but – I don't think there's anything. I really don't think the NHL is putting an official, uh, an actual official back there to be like, hey, you can't do anything. But uh, as for communication, I'm I'm certain that they make make sure that there's no way that an ejected coach can communicate in-game with uh, his team as that is the point of being ejected, that he can no longer participate in uh, the game itself. Uh, Question number two, also from Brian. Uh, in hindsight, do you think the better move this past offseason would have been to protect Jared McCann over Kasperi Kapanen? Uh, this is for the expansion draft. Uh, or do you like the trade we made with Toronto? Looking at it, I guess hindsight hindsight is always twenty twenty. Jared McCann has been one of the lone bright spots for the Seattle Kraken, who are in their first season of play, obviously. Through 51 games, uh, Jared McCann has 21 goals, 33 points. He has a minus 21, but hey, it's plus minus. I don't give too much stock to that. And recently, Jared McCann signed a, a five-year contract extension with the Seattle Kraken. His cap hit would be $5 million. Uh, $5 million, and he has a modified no-trade clause starting in 23-24 season. Uh, looking at Jared McCann or Kasperi Kapanen, well, looking at Kasperi Kapanen's immediate and potential long-term future here, uh, if you had a chance to recently look at the most updated practice lines from the Pittsburgh Penguins, Kasperi Kapanen looks to have received some sort of demotion. He was taking line rushes on the fourth line, and he was rotating with Zach Aston reese on the fourth line, whereas Jared McCann just gets rewarded for a contract extension. 
Uh, last year with the Penguins, he had 14 goals, 18 assists, 32 points in 43 games. I know the knock on McCann while he was in Pittsburgh was that he was a streaky player. But uh, getting back to the original question between Kapanen and McCann, I would I would I would have kept McCann in a heartbeat. He gives you that center and wing versatility. He obviously has an offensive pulse to his game, whereas Kasperi Kapanen now he looks like a deer in the headlights out there. And with this p- potential demotion to the fourth line, if he isn't going to be healthy scratched, which that is also a possibility, uh, it looks like, as we've mentioned several times over the last several weeks on the podcast, Casper uh, Kapanen's tenure with the Penguins could be coming to an end as soon as the March 21st trading deadline. Question number three, also from Brian. Casey DeSmith has seemed to turn his season around. Is trading for that backup goalie still as high of a priority as it once seemed? I feel like we've done this with DeSmith already this season where his play has bounced back and we everybody asked the question, Oh, do we maybe we maybe the goal maybe the backup goaltending position isn't an issue, maybe it's something they can uh get by at the Smith and then he ultimately comes out with um a stinker of a game or two or three and then the question just comes back up that, oh, the Penguins need to get a backup goalie at the deadline. So I'm not – I cross my fingers it solved itself, but I feel like we've done this with the Smith two or three times already this year where he's strung together um, some good streaks of play and everybody kind of uh, takes a breath and thinks that maybe we don't need to uh, shore up that position. But then uh, he comes out and lays a couple eggs and it's just – starts that whole entire conversation all over again. So I'm not saying that it's completely out of the realm of possibility they take a goaltender. Um, Maybe DeSmith has finally turned a corner, but I'm absolutely not ready to say that they need to take it off their shopping list um, just because he's put together a couple of good games when that's we've already gone through this cycle multiple times this season. On number four, we're going back to Brian again. I really like what Friedman has brought to this lineup being paired with Ruedel. Call me crazy, but I prefer him over Mike Matheson. Am I crazy? No, I don't think you're crazy. I think I had my reservations with Mark Friedman, obviously a a right-handed. He was a right-handed shot, typically a right-handed defenseman. He's playing on his offside in the absence of Mike Matheson. Uh, but Marino has proven to be a, a capable hand rounding out that bottom six. And I mean, in, in, in the 17 games he's played this season, he has four assists and he's a plus two. He's not going to be a world beater, but that's not what you're asking. That's not what you're asking Friedman to do. Uh, maybe a call me old school, Robbie, call me old school, but I would think I would prefer having Friedman on his traditional right-handed side. But there's there's no denying that he's brought a bit of snarl to to that third pairing. Um, he certainly doesn't look out of place. I mean, there's a reason. I think it was Ron Hextall's first move as general manager to claim Mark Friedman off of waivers from the Philadelphia Flyers. So Friedman, again, being in that sheltered bottom pairing role, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to suggest having him over Matheson, who makes $4.8 million 
is it crazy to have a Matheson who makes that kind of money in your your third pair left-handed defenseman? Nine times out of ten, you look at that contract and you think it's it's kind of crazy you're paying a third-pairing defenseman that much money. But I'm not denying that Math- Matheson in his own right has been very impressive this year, also playing in a sheltered role, taking on sheltered minutes on that third defensive pairing. So between the comparing Matheson and and Friedman, uh, both are very solid contributors. I'd probably go with Matheson uh, again, playing Matheson on his normal left side, playing him in a sheltered role with sheltered minutes. But if there's a possibility, you could extend uh, Friedman. Uh, just like what Chad Ruedel got recently, he got a two-year extension. I think uh, the cap hit is eight hundred thousand. If you could do something similar with Ruedel, I would be all for it, locking up that depth on the blue line. Question number five for you, Robbie, comes from Brendan. Has Casey DeSmith, Mark Friedman, or Brian Boyle earned another contract with the Penguins? If so, what do you give to each player? I think that Mark Friedman uh, probably has earned another deal. I think he would be relatively cheap, too. Um, again, he was out for how long this year? And he's just a, as of right now, just a... Uh, seventh defenseman for the Penguins. So, yeah, I think Friedman you could get back in relatively cheap, uh, two years, a uh, million bucks a year, something like that. Just something cheap, nothing uh, too crazy. Boyle, I think if Boyle wants to stay in Pittsburgh, I think that's an easy contract for Rodden Hextall to, uh, to work out, league minimum, veteran minimum. Uh, you can just do a year at a time. I don't think Boyle uh, has plans for anything long-term. At this point, but hey, if the Penguins win the cup, Boyle could be a guy that just hangs them up and heads into retirement. So, yeah, but if he wants to come back, I think Boyle, there's definitely a spot. He knows his role. The Penguins know his role. There's definitely a spot for him in Pittsburgh uh, on a very cheap one-year veteran minimum deal. Uh, Nothing too crazy or anything like that. And then getting back to DeSmith. I think a lot will depend on how the rest of the season plays out. Um, Do they feel comfortable with him being... Uh, the backup again, or if they make a trade for backup, that kind of sounds like that it would be the end for Casey Smith in Pittsburgh. I think DeSmith would land somewhere. I don't think his career would be over, but I mean, overall, I just think that the Smith of the three of those guys is the least likely to come back to Pittsburgh next year. And I, I just, yeah, a lot with the Smith's future in Pittsburgh will ride on, uh, will ride on, what happens these next few weeks uh, through the regular season into the postseason? So, uh, I think Friedman will definitely be back. Boyle, I think, will be a whether or not he wants to retire uh, kind of situation, and Smith will be all contingent on what happens these next uh, few weeks as we head in uh, to the playoffs and what the Penguins do with the backup goalie situation. Uh, will be very telling about how the front office views the future of Casey Smith in Pittsburgh. Number six from Brendan again, uh, favorite Ukrainian born NHLer in history. This, this was a very interesting question and one that I had to do some research on as I'm not really all that, uh, all that well researched in nationalities of NHL players. Um, and in doing my research, I found that one Ukrainian-born NHLer actually has some pretty prominent ties to the Pittsburgh Penguins, that being Ruslan Fedotenko, a name that I'm sure 
Uh, Penguins fans haven't heard, if you're of a certain age, you haven't heard that name in a long time. Uh, Fedotenko carved out a very respectable 12-year career for himself, playing in 863 games, the most by a Ukrainian-born NHL player in history. Uh, 173 goals, 366 points. He is a two-time Stanley Cup winner, winning one of those Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2008-2009. He garnered a reputation as being a dominant playoff performer, and uh, during that playoff run of 2008-2009, he played in 24 games, 7 goals, 7 seven assists, 14 points. He was uh, a plus 9, so it's safe to say that Fedotenko is probably uh, the, the most well-documented, well-known, and probably the most famous and most successful Ukrainian-born NHL player in history. Question number seven for you, Robbie, comes from Brendan. Uh, what are your predictions for the rivalry rematch game at PPG Paints Arena this weekend between Team USA and Team Canada in the women's hockey sphere? I think it is, one, going to be a great event. I'm very happy that it's coming to Pittsburgh. Uh, I think it's going to be... Uh, tremendously exciting. I believe it's on TV. Uh, it's basically the same lineups as uh, what the two teams that just met at the gold medal game in Beijing at the Winter Olympics. Uh, Sands, uh, Sarah uh, Fillier from uh, Team Canada. She is back. She goes to, uh, she attends Princeton University and their season is still ongoing. So she had to return uh, to college at Princeton to finish out. So she won't be there, and she's I, one of the Canada's best players, so she is a very important piece. But uh, pretty much the same lineups that we saw in Beijing. Uh, Hillary Knight will be there. Two-time Stanley Cup champion uh, Phil Kessel's sister Amanda uh, will be on the ice uh, in Pittsburgh. Um, Sarah Nurse for Team Canada will be there. She um, set a record for most points uh, in a single Olympic tournament uh, this past, in Beijing. So um, yeah, a lot of talent. It's going to be great for the for the for the game. I know Pittsburgh is is very excited uh, to host the event. It's at uh, it's at the PPG Paints Arena. It's in um, in coordination with the Penguins franchise. So the Penguins are playing a, a big role in this, uh, promoting it. Uh, so I'm very excited for to watch this. Hopefully on Saturday. Uh, obviously going to be cheering for Team USA. Um, the games in Beijing were very good, uh, very good, very good hockey games. So uh, hopefully the U.S. can turn that result around from Beijing and uh, get back in the win column against Canada uh, here in Pittsburgh. It'll be a home game. It should be. A, I would assume it's going to be a very good crowd. So uh, very exciting. Um, and we're going to hope that Team USA can pull a win. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be a big win for the game of hockey, especially women's hockey, uh, to be featured in um, one of the major markets of the NHL um, coming off the momentum of the Olympics. Uh, it's something that everybody should be looking forward to, and I hope uh, a lot of people can attend or watch on TV if they can't be there in person. Uh, question number eight uh, from Brian, in parentheses, Pope Darth Maul I. I think the Penguins need to make a move to get depth scoring. In the meantime, what do you think about making line changes to try to spark something? Uh, his idea is this. It's uh, first line of Rodriguez, Crosby, Kapanen, and then Heinen, Malk, and Gensel, S Simone, um, Carter, and Rust. And then the fourth line is Aston Reese, 
Luger, and McGinn. Brian, it's definitely not a crazy idea. Uh, there have been talks, and there's been, I know a lot of people have voiced their displeasure with Mike Sullivan because of his refusal to to break up the first line of Rust, Crosby, and Gensel to try and balance some of the scoring throughout the, the rest of the lineup. Uh, again, on one hand, you could say, don't, don't try and break something up that's worked so well. On the other hand, that trying to have more balanced scoring throughout the lineup is another concern. But Moving Kapanen up there alongside Crosby and Rodriguez, it's definitely a different look. Having Gensel down there with Malkin is also something that I would not be opposed to. I, I, I'd be in favor of it. Carter, obviously, in his third-line center role with Simone and Rust, having Rust down there on the on the uh, third line is a little bit different. Uh, and Aston Reese, Bluger, and McGinn is a solid fourth line, in my opinion, too. Uh, if if what we talked about earlier, if the potential demotion of Kasperi Kapanen is to be believed, and he does either take line rushes on the fourth line or ends up being a healthy scratch, uh, we might have to reconfigure these lines uh, that you submitted to us, Brian. Uh, I don't know if Kapanen is going to get anywhere close to Sidney Crosby now, considering he was taking line rushes with Zach Aston Reese and Brian Boyle. But uh, I, I would definitely be in favor of shifting some, th- some, some, some players around, shifting some things around, trying to create different chemistry and trying to balance some of that scoring around all three to four lines to see if you could kickstart some players and try and get some more offense between some other players who have gone dry like Rodriguez and Carter. Question number nine comes from Kalen Healy. Is is there an in-house answer for Evgeny Malkin's wingers? I'd love to see Jason Zucker and Carter with Bluger as the third-line center and Evan Rodriguez as the fourth-line center. Yeah, the question of Malkin's wingers is definitely one that's been discussed before. Uh, Hopefully Jason Zucker can get healthy here um, in these next couple uh, weeks and help solve a part of that problem again before he went down i think he played with a game or two and he scored two goals uh so i'm i mean would love to see that continue it's unfortunate he got hurt yet again uh with roughly the same injury as before um bluger mike sullivan does not like breaking up that uh fourth line with bluger centering it i do like the option of carter as a wing i think he fits well there and um he adds a he can still skate, so I mean, Malkin's not gonna—he's not gonna be an anchor on the line with Malkin. So, I'd like to try the the idea of Jason Zucker, Jeff Carter, and Evgeny Malkin on the line. Uh, would obviously have to wait until uh, Zucker returns uh, from getting healthy. But um, if you want to move Rodriguez to three C, then I think that's an interesting option. But I think Bluger is suspended at four C as long as Aston Reese and McGinn are healthy. That is a buzzsaw line. Mike Sullivan loves that line, so. I think overall that line staying uh, together, but I do like the idea of uh, Malkin flanked by Jason Zucker and Jeff Carter uh, worth, definitely worth a shot once Zucker gets back in the lineup. So uh, something to keep an eye on and a, a very interesting idea because it's a very, that's one I haven't really heard before, especially with Jeff Carter. Uh, so it's something I definitely uh, I, I like trying out uh, once Zucker gets back healthy and in the lineup. Uh, question number 10 slash 11 um, come from Brett and Stephen Winehouse. Uh, they asked related questions. Uh, we'll start with Brett's question. Uh, what are the chances we see a Brock Besser trade? Uh, apparently there were some Vancouver scouts at the Pitt Florida game and some uh, Pitt scouts uh, at the Toronto Vancouver game on Saturday. I could see one of Marino or Kavanaugh being involved in a trade for Besser. 
Uh, and then Steven basically asked Captain Marino and Rodriguez to the Canucks for Garland and, and Besser. Well, thanks for the questions from uh, Brett and Steven. And uh, we obviously talked about it earlier in the show, what what we think, at least, uh, the chances of acquiring Brock Besser or or uh, Connor Garland um, would, would, would take. Uh, probably Marino, it, it depends on how much how much Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin, how much they like the players. Uh, I think, I think we know at this point, Rutherford has, uh, ha- has a liking for Casper Kapanen and his game. I think he likes Evan Rodriguez too. Uh, he obviously signed John Marino to that long-term extension. So uh, the Canucks are basically looking for pieces everywhere at, at every part of the ice, maybe outside of goaltender with Thatcher Demko in net. So, you know, if the, if the Canucks were to acquire Marino and Rodriguez in exchange for Besser and or Garland, uh, uh, I think it would be a win for the Penguins. Uh, I I wouldn't be opposed to trading away Marino. Uh, the 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 question becomes then, like Robbie said earlier, how are you going to replace his minutes, and who are you going to replace him with? Are you going to bump Chad Ruedel up to the 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 second pair right-handed shot? And is he comfortable doing that, playing those extended minutes? Uh, again, like Robbie also mentioned, the prospect pool is quite thin. The the pool of young players that Pittsburgh can rely on to come up and play meaningful minutes is also thin. So um, I, I do like Besser and Garland. I don't know if both of them would be included in the same deal. Boy, if they were, that would be a win-win, and I'd pull that trigger 100 times out of 100. But uh, between the two, I think I'd prefer Garland over Besser. I, I do like Besser's game, so if Besser ends up being that player that the Penguins acquire, I would not be mad with that at all. I guess it depends on what the Penguins are giving up, but if it has to be... If it has to be Marino or Rodriguez or that first-round pick this year, I'm all for it because we have, what, two to three years left of, of this window, realistically. I know we talk about this championship window. We talk about this championship window every so often with the Penguins as the stars get older. But looking at Crosby's contract, I think it's it expires uh, in three seasons. I think it runs for three more seasons after this one. So uh, that's realistically really all the time you have left is roughly, I'd say, two to three more seasons with the same core if you can resign everybody. But if you can get a Garland or a Besser to help alleviate some of the scoring struggles off of an older Crosby or Malkin, you do that all day, every day. Well, Robbie, uh, we did it. We got through 11 questions of this mailbag, a, a crazy jam-packed, uh, edition of the Pensburg podcast that will do it for this episode of the Pensburg podcast for Robbie Noggle. I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pensburg podcast, and we will catch you all right here next week.